All right, welcome back. It's great to have you join us for our Sunday gathering as we kick off our new series on Lent. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of fasting. Now, I don't know if you were able to join us for last week when we wrapped up our series on slow and when we talked about Sabbath, but uh, I announced last week that I actually picked up coronavirus and um, I've been quarantined, I, well, more, more than quarantined, I've been isolated in my daughter's room. This is my daughter's room uh, for like the past um, like 10 days now. So today is my last day of isolation and I'm so excited. Um, but this time of uh, isolation has been really interesting. I've been um, learning a lot about um, myself, but also learning a lot about how this um, virus uh, hits people in different ways. For me, um, I didn't really experience all the symptoms at once. Uh, and, and it was kind of like a rolling experience. So like day one, uh, I, I knew that something was wrong with me because I had really, really bad chills. I was like shaking while I was in bed. But that was only the first day, okay? That was only like the first day, right? Uh, and so day two is when I actually took the test, um, the at-home test, and you know found out I was positive. And so from day two to day three, I had a fever and I had really bad fatigue. Um, but that eventually went away. The fevers only lasted like those two days. And then days like four through six, I had severe congestion and sinus pressure, but no fever, right? Just con really bad congestion and sinus pressure. Um, and that was like those three days, days four through six. And then day seven, um, that was starting to go away, but I was starting to get really, really bad uh, headaches. And then um, day eight, I believe that was like Thursday, uh, the congestion and the headaches went away, but um, I lost my sense of smell and my sense of taste. So now I actually still, I can't really smell or taste anything, which is really, really bizarre. I've never really experienced this before as you know, most people who've experienced this because of COVID. And so when I drink um, coffee, it just feels like I'm drinking hot water. It's a really, really bizarre experience. Now, uh, experiencing these symptoms like one at a time uh, was really interesting because it really made me appreciate what I didn't have or um, what I was lacking uh, throughout this whole week. So for example, like the first day when I had really bad chills, I was so grateful for my bedroom. <laughs> Uh, for my bed, um, for blankets, you know, for uh, having an indoor heater. And then uh, the, the second and third day uh, when I had really bad fever and fatigue, I was so grateful for having um, a somewhat flexible job uh, as a, a pastor, um, allowing me the freedom to work from home and to rest whenever necessary. And then having congestion and sinus pressure made me appreciate just my lungs and the ability to breathe well when I don't have <laughs> sinus pressure. And it also made me appreciate um, medicine uh, like Afrin. Um, uh, Afrin was like a big lifesaver. I'm trying to find it. I don't know where it went. Um, and uh, now, uh, having lost my sense of smell and taste, 
it really, really made me appreciate uh, food, um, good food and good drink, uh, which I'll, I know I'll appreciate even more when I do get those senses back. You know, and, and this is all related to fasting. Uh, and then I, ironically, as I was encouraging all of us um, to fast for the past couple of weeks, I was hit really hard uh, with COVID. And uh, it just made me appreciate things that um, I was lacking during this time. Now, uh, fasting, uh, fasting from food uh, has been uh, really, really popular more and more these days for health purposes. Um, there are literally like hundreds of ways that a person can fast. Many people do intermittent fasting to lose weight. Some people fast from like carbs and sugar in order to bring down their like blood sugar levels. Uh, but a really popular one these days is called a master cleanse. Master cleanse. I don't know if you've seen this floating around on the interwebs. Uh, and this is when people fast from food uh, for anywhere between three to seven days. And they drink nothing but liquids like cold pressed juices or um, this master cleanse drink, which is made up of water, lemon juice, uh, maple syrup or honey, and a dash of cayenne pepper. It supposedly cleans out your body, cleans out your system of toxins, and sort of gives your body uh, a reset. And it really, it's, it's a detox for your body. Now, many uh, fanatics of the master cleanse and um, even health experts uh, refer to the psychologist Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs when they're doing this cleanse. Now, I'm going to show you this hierarchy of needs right now. And um, many people like swear by this method of living because of its simplicity. Now, uh, Abraham Maslow was a psychologist who was born in the early uh, 1900s and um, he, he married when he was relatively young and uh, he fought in World War II and um, after he came back from World War II he studied psychology and he came up with this pyramid uh, looking thing um, called the hierarchy of needs as you can see there's physiological needs on the bottom that's just like the basic necessities like food and water and air and then above that is safety needs, um, personal security, uh, employment resources. Um, and then above that are the relational needs uh, like love and belonging, friendship, uh, romantic partner, intimacy, a sense of family. And then above that is the esteem, self-esteem needs uh, such as the desire for respect, the need for status, recognition, and then uh, at the very top, the, and, and what Maslow used to call the pinnacle of the hierarchy of needs is self-actualization, the desire to become the most that a person can be. The desire to become the most that a person can be. Now, even though a lot of people uh, really embraced this hierarchy of needs, um, a lot of his peers in psychology and therapy uh, criticized this model of living because they found it far too simplistic and somewhat incomplete. A very famous uh, critique of this hierarchy of needs is none other than the psychi psychiatrist Viktor Frankl. 
And uh, he said this about the hierarchy of needs in his book, um, Man's Search for Meaning. The real aim of human existence cannot be found in what is called self-actualization. Human existence is essentially self-transcendence rather than self-actualization. Self-actualization is not a possible aim at all for the simple reason that the more a person would strive for it, the more the person would miss it. But even though there were all these critiques given of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, people still, to this day, uh, live by it and they swear by it. And uh, this, a, a big reason why it comes back, especially more recently, is because of fasting. Uh, because they believe that as you fast, okay, from like basic physiological needs, you uh, put your focus more on these other four uh, hierarchy of needs, okay? Instead of focusing just on like food, okay, um, which is, you know, what most people fast from, uh, they focus more on like self-actualization, like reaching your goals, or they focus more on like self-esteem, or maybe uh, your safety issues or, or safety needs, and like trying to become more successful in your career. Um, but spiritual fasting is different from fasting for health. Spiritual fasting is not just a practice for the super religious. In fact, especially if you don't consider yourself religious, uh, you should fast because there are so many psychological, emotional, physical, and spiritual benefits of fasting. As a society, we tend to binge on things that are not that good for us and we tend to deprive ourselves on things that are really good for us this is precisely why we fast we fast from the things of this world so that we can hold on to the things of god we detox our spirits from certain pleasures so that we can be more grateful for the things that we do have. And we cut ourselves off from the things of this world so that we can be more in tune and more connected to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that man does not live on bread alone. But what happens to our souls when we have way too much bread? Fasting uh, helps us to focus on what's most important. You see, sometimes people confuse the main purpose of fasting. Some people believe that the main purpose of fasting is simply to control your urges or to deny yourself certain pleasures just for the sake of having more self-control. Um, and, and this is not really helpful um, because it makes you think of these like spiritual practices as drudgery or as kind of punishment. Um, pastor and author Don Whitney said this, discipline without direction is drudgery. Discipline without direction is drudgery. So what is the main purpose of fasting? The primary purpose of fasting is to focus on what's most important. The purpose of fasting is to reveal uh, what's most important in your heart uh, and not necessarily to restrict you 
okay? It's supposed to free you, okay? It's supposed to free you of the things of this world. The purpose of fasting is to restore you, okay? Not to um, reject you and not to deny you. And the purpose of fasting is to embrace the things that are most important to us while we are denying ourselves certain pleasures for a little while. In fact, Jesus had some very important things to say about this spiritual discipline of fasting, which we just read from today, which is uh, from Matthew chapter 6. Now, um, this is Jesus' famous passage on fasting, okay, when uh, he said in verses 16 through 18, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now, uh, as we are starting this new series on Lent, um, I have to kind of give you a little bit of background on this season of Lent. The word Lent, it actually comes from the Dutch and German word meaning beginning of spring. Now, admittedly, some Christian holidays and practices are blended with uh, kind of ancient traditional uh, pagan practices. Now, it might seem a bit random, but it is appropriate that because Easter represents the beginning of spring with this, because uh, it brings along with it this idea of newness and rebirth. Now, Lent begins 40 days prior to Easter on Ash Sunday, excluding um, on, on Ash Wednesday, excluding Sundays. Um, and the reason why we do 40 days is because the number 40 appears repeatedly in the Bible and has great significance. It rained for 40 days during the Great Flood. If you remember that ancient story of uh, Noah's Ark, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years before they reached the Promised Land. And most importantly, Jesus himself fasted for 40 days before he began his ministry. So as a sign of remembrance, waiting, and anticipation, Christians fast for 40 days prior to Easter. Now, the technical definition of fasting, if you were to look it up in uh, the dictionary, is a voluntary denial from food, uh, often for health or religious purposes. But to be a little bit more specific, I really like uh, author Richard Foster's definition of fasting. A Christian's voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of spiritual activity. A Christian's voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of spiritual activity. Now, why do we fast? Okay, this is like the big question. Okay, why do we fast? Well, we fast to draw closer to the heart of God. We fast to align our spirits with God. We fast because we want to depend less on the world and we want to depend more on God. We fast so that we can deny our bodies what we so often feed them in unhealthy ways so that we can give our spirits what we so often deprive them of um, and what it needs more of. One of the main reasons why we fast is so that we can prevent our hearts from drifting into idolatry. Yes, you heard that correctly. We fast so that we can prevent our hearts from drifting into idolatry. 
Now, one of the most common forms of idolatry is not necessarily when you worship something evil. That's kind of a big misconception that we have of idolatry. And as I shared earlier, like um, our hearts often drift into idolatry. We rarely make the decision like, I'm going to commit idolatry today. I'm going to worship this golden statue. I'm going to worship, I'm going to um, put a whole stack of money up on an altar and I'm going to worship money. It doesn't really happen like that. Our hearts usually drift into idolatry. And what's even scarier is that we often idolize things that are good, that are meant to be gifts, right? We often Id uh, idolize good things, good gifts that God gives us, and then we put it on a pedestal. Ultimately, idolatry for most people, okay, for most people, for the vast majority of people, idolatry is when you turn something good into a God. Idolatry is when you turn something good into a God. You see, sex isn't bad. In fact, sex is a good gift that God gives to His people to be enjoyed within the context of a committed relationship. Um, but when you uh, pervert that, when you uh, twist that, and you take it out of that context, then it becomes idolatry. Uh, money isn't bad, okay? We need money to survive, right? Uh, money is a good thing that allows us to live and to purchase things that we need. But when we love money far too much, it becomes corrupted and then it, it becomes an idol. Same thing goes with uh, food or um, social media or video games, alcohol, caffeine, you name it, right? These are all um, good things in and of themselves, but when you idolize it, it turns into something evil. As I shared earlier, the typical definition of fasting is denial from a normal function for the sake of spiritual activity. Now, this is um, very broad, right? A spiritual purpose or spiritual activity can mean a variety of things. And throughout the Bible, the people of God fasted for various reasons such as seeking God's guidance, expressing grief, seeking deliverance or protection, or repenting, or humbling oneself before God. It seems like there are so many reasons and, uh, for people to fast, but they often fell under this umbrella of spiritual growth, um, spiritual activity, now, if you fast, if your fast is not for spiritual purposes, then um, don't call it a spiritual fast, okay? There are many people who fast for like health reasons, and that's great, okay? But don't call it a spiritual fast when it's really because you want to lose weight or something, okay? Um, then uh, call it what it is, all right? Um, now, let's go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I'm going to pull it up again right now. I had mentioned that Maslow's model uh, for living has been highly criticized by many of his peers. And, but at the end of Maslow's life, Abraham Maslow's life, he even criticized himself when he admitted that the hierarchy of needs is insufficient. Now, every aspect of the hierarchy focus on, focuses on the self and not really for other people. Right? Uh, and, and 
uh, that was one of the biggest criticisms. But um, Maslow, it wasn't until near the end of Maslow's life that he actually saw the value and the truth in this. And he admitted that in order to achieve true fulfillment and joy in life, one must pursue self-transcendence, which is a step above self-actualization. And self-transcendence is the pursuit of altruism, spirituality, and selflessness. This is the pinnacle of uh, the human need is self-transcendence, the pursuit of altruism, spirituality, and selflessness. Maslow himself said this in uh, 1971. Transcendence refers to the very highest and most inclusive or holistic levels of human consciousness, behaving and relating as, rather, as ends rather than means to oneself, to others, and to human beings in general, to other species, to nature, and to the cosmos. Wow, that is a, that is a quote. Now, unfortunately, Maslow came to this realization so late in life that he was not able to research or write extensively on this topic. But the practice of spiritual fasting is widely accepted as one of the most effective ways of attaining this level of self-transcendence. And this is not unique to Christianity. As you probably know, um, Buddhist monks regularly practice fasting in order to reach uh, a state of enlightenment. The famous, Hindu, uh, the, the famous Hindu leader Gandhi and his social activists engaged in hunger fasts as a method of nonviolent protests. Devout Muslims regularly practice fasting during Ramadan, as well as devout Jews practice fasting during Yom Kippur. Fasting has been observed literally for thousands and thousands of years by all different people groups. Um, and there's good reason. It's because there is such a huge spiritual benefit of fasting. So. I could go on and share more why we should fast, okay, but for the sake of time, I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. But let's talk a little bit about uh, what, what we fast, okay? Let's look at what we fast. And let's look at verses uh, 19 through 21. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, many Bibles um, have these like little sections that are like um, separating different like themes or parts of it. And um, the part where it uh, talks about fasting, um, it's separated from verses 19 through 21. And that, for different Bibles, it's called different things. But in my Bible, they call it treasures in heaven. But I actually think these two sections on fasting and treasures in heaven are connect or should be connected. Okay, Because they're kind of two sides of the same coin. We fast in order to remember what we treasure the most. Okay. 
This is why in verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You're going to invest in the things that you treasure the most. Okay, You're going to invest in the things that you treasure the most. And so when we are fasting, we are investing ourselves, our time, our energy, our, um, our desires, literally our like physical desires, to God rather than these other things that we're fasting from. Um, now, generally speaking, uh, what, let's get a little practical here. Uh, what are you supposed to fast from? Okay. Generally speaking, you want to fast. Uh, whatever you're fasting has to fit like these three basic criteria. Okay. Uh, it has to be routine. All right. Somewhat regular routine part of your life. You have to be somewhat dependent on it. Um, and um, it has to be somewhat... Uh, it, it can be a distraction, okay? It can be a distraction from your spiritual growth or your relationship with God. So uh, the first part, routine, right? Uh, it has to be a regular part of your life, either daily or a few times a week. For example, um, if you only drink alcohol, maybe once a week or once every other week, that's not very routine. So giving that up, it's not going to be much of a challenge for you, okay? Um, now, if you drink alcohol like every other day you don't even have to get drunk okay i'm not talking about getting drunk okay i'm just talking about having one or two glasses of beer or wine um, every other day or something like that um, then it's become routine all right uh, and the second part is you're dependent on it you're dependent on it but it's not necessary uh for living okay um this is why red meat is a really really popular thing that people fast uh during lent okay because um People de depend on red meat so much. Oh, people Sometimes people eat red meat literally for every meal of the day, right? But um, you don't necessarily need it to survive, right? You could easily replace it with other stuff. Uh, but just um, fasting from red meat, you're always reminded of uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it. And lastly, um, it often is something that could be a distraction from God uh, or your spiritual growth, such as uh, social media, um, television, video games, uh, what have you. Okay, so generally speaking, you want to pick something that is uh, routine that you're dependent on, but it's not necessary for survival, and um, that is a distraction for you. Uh, and the point of this is is that it's supposed to be hard. <laughs> Okay, that's kind of the point of this, okay? It has to be intentionally difficult for you to depend less on these things and to depend more on God. And so whenever you're, if you are fasting from red meat, for example, whenever you're craving it, whenever you're thinking about it, you're supposed to connect with God, okay? And this is the other part that's like so important. Fasting and prayer, like prayer meaning like connecting with God, talking to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, okay? They have to go hand in hand, okay? They have to go hand in hand. Uh, now, let me share with you a few reasons why uh, what you should not fast from, okay? You should not fast as a form of diet and call it fasting. That's I shared that with you already earlier, okay? Um, now, no one's really going to know, but really, you're just cheating yourself, okay? If you're fasting... For the sake of a diet, then just say that it's for health purposes, okay? But don't call it a spiritual fast, all right? Um, 
this is really for spiritual purposes. And also, uh, you should not fast from things that are not healthy for you anyways, okay? Um, like, uh, like road rage or like pornography or like getting drunk, okay? Um, these are things like you should be avoiding anyways, okay? But um, again, it's, and it's, if, you're, if you're trying to like not do that even more during Lent, that's, <laughs> that's great. But that's technically not a fast, okay? Um, uh, so, like, in order to uh, have this be an actual fast, it has to be something that's routine, um, that's something that you're too dependent on, but you don't need it for survival, and uh, something that could be a distraction. Now, um, in the first century, when Jesus gave this command to fast, uh, he said in um, verses 16 through uh, 17 when you fast do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces and show men they are fasting i tell you the truth they have received their reward in full but when you fast put oil on your head and wash your face so that you will it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you now, uh, in the first century, a, a lot of religious leaders would really make it a big deal that they're fasting, right? And they would, um, almost, like they would announce it, right? And they would brag it to their community. Um, now, I don't think any of you are going to do that. I actually encourage you to share with um, like people, your friends, like your people who, whom you're close to, that you are fasting to help keep you accountable. I even have um, friends, though. I do know of people who, if they are doing a fast, whether, you know, and, and typically this is for, like, health purposes, um, they just make it a, such a big deal to everyone <laughs> that they're fasting, and they tell everyone, like, oh, I'm on day two of my master cleanse. Woe is me. <laughs> and they really, like, make, like to announce it to the world that they're fasting, okay? And um, Jesus is saying, like, this is exactly what you should not do. But... I do encourage you to share with a few people to help keep you accountable, okay? And um, you could talk about this in your small groups. And next week when we get together for our community hangout on Zoom, we'll, we might talk about it a little bit there. Um, but also, like, uh, people uh, all throughout history, Christians have fasted regularly, okay? Fasting wasn't like a special thing uh, that they did every few years, okay? Fasting was a regular part of their spiritual growth. Okay, look with me at verses 2, 5, and then 16 of Matthew 6, all right? If you don't have your Bibles, I'm just going to read it for you, okay? Uh, Matthew 6, verse 2, and these are the words of Jesus. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do, um, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay? Skip ahead to verse 5. And these are still the words of Jesus. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. And then in verse 16, um, it says when you fast okay so I don't know if you caught the theme here or the um, the common thread 
but all of these begin with when. When you give to the needy. When you pray. When you fast. So Jesus was saying this because it is expected that if you are a person of faith, if you want to grow spiritually, you will give to the needy. You will pray and you will fast. He doesn't say if you give to the needy. He says when you give to the needy. So there's this expectation here. He doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. And he doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. In general, it's not healthy to live your life completely unrestricted. And this is a very, uh, very foreign concept for Westerners. <laughs> um, like, why would I live my life restricted in any way? Okay, uh, but we we have laws, natural order, and limitations for good reason. Okay, we even talked about this last week when we talked about uh, Sabbath. Right, God gives us His laws as a result of His love for His people. God's laws exist for our benefit, for our neighbor's benefit, or for society's benefit. Restrictions and limitations exist to guard us, to protect us. This reminds me of what Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered anything during these next few weeks of Lent you um, I encourage all of us to be more intentional about spending time with God and to connect with God uh, either through prayer scripture reading or other spiritual activity because your fast is not a form of legalism or pride in fasting we are depending less on the world, and we are depending more on God. Ultimately, we fast because we want to be more and more like Jesus. As busy as Jesus was throughout his ministry, he always made time to fast and pray. And even before Jesus began his three-year ministry, he went into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. He felt no sense of being pressured to begin his ministry unless he spent time fasting and praying and connecting with his heavenly father do you know what the opposite of fasting is it's addiction addiction and let me close by sharing one last haunting verse from the book of Haggai, chapter 1. Eat and never have your fill. Drink and never be satisfied. Eat and never have your fill. Drink and never be satisfied. Do you ever feel like you consume far too much of this world? but you're never satisfied, you're never fulfilled? Do you ever feel like all you do is consume entertainment, consume drink, consume 
food, consume media, and your soul is left feeling emptier and emptier. It's because nothing can satisfy our souls except God. The world wants you to be addicted to it. And fasting is our way of denying the world what it wants from us. There are temptations, desires, and vices all around us trying to steal our attention. All of these things want us to be addicted to them. And fasting is our way of resisting that. Fast food companies and the meat industry says, you must eat this. While Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Coffee and soda companies say, you need our caffeine, so drink this. While Jesus says, I am the everlasting water. Internet companies say, and social media companies say, always stay connected. While Jesus says, I am the vine and the branches. As I mentioned earlier, fasting is our way of being less dependent on the world and more dependent on God. Fasting is our proclamation to break free from the fierce addictions of this world. We fast so that we can detox from the world and depend more on God. In closing, I want to share some beautiful artwork from some women at Washington uh, Correction Center in uh, Washington State. Uh, it's found in this book, okay, Fury and Grace, um, written by a colleague of, well, uh, edited by a colleague of mine. Uh, and um, there's just some beautiful artwork in here that will help us to, I think, uh, connect with God and um, encourage us to and, and inspire us to fast and so i will leave us with this and i'll just uh, leave this light music playing for a few minutes to give you an opportunity to pray yourself have a blessed week <laughs>